0: Hello my beautiful friends, welcome back to another episode of the Scotty Taylor Jr. Success Money Mindset Podcast. We are on episode 75 and today we are going to be going over the four mistakes that advisors make that keep them working hard and making less. Let's get into it. Hey friends, welcome to the Success Money Mindset Podcast. My name is Scotty Taylor Jr. and I'm a money manifestation expert, success and finance coach, and serial entrepreneur on my way to a seven figure year and creating the life of my dreams. I am obsessed with helping you make more money, bust your limiting beliefs around money and success, and create a life you once thought was impossible. I teach you the tried and true tactical, and energetic principles of success and money to help you massively up level your life. My goal in this podcast is to help you achieve the things you really desire so you can go out and change the world. Think of this podcast as a conversation with your financially savvy best friend who really wants what's best for you and challenges and encourages you with your mindset development along the way. I am so excited you're here and I have such a good feeling about this. Get ready to learn and grow on this journey together, and let's have some fun. Now, before we get into the episode, the episode today is actually sponsored by my free training for financial advisors. The training is on September 12th, 2023 at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're an advisor and you want to get more leads, this is going to be the training for you. In the training, I'll be sharing the exact system that you can use to create a prospecting machine. We're talking about getting inbound leads, getting inbound referrals. We're talking about making more money. We're going to go through all of that. And this is the exact system that's helped me grow to $490,000 of revenue in 2022 and has helped over 100 advisors grow their business without the burnout, stress, or any of the icky sales tactics that usually we are taught. You can register for the free training at scottietaylorjr.com forward slash prospecting system. It's also in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you there live. All right, let's get into the episode. Okay, as I mentioned, the episode today is all about the four mistakes that advisors make that keep them working hard and making less. Now, this is gonna be for you if you are an entrepreneur, if you're a service-based entrepreneur or business owner. Um, This is gonna be for you, obviously, if you are a financial advisor. I'm gonna share the four things that I see advisors do pretty consistently that keep them playing small. Quick side note, um, I'm doing something very dangerous today. I'm recording a podcast episode with both of my dogs next to me. So, if you hear some barking, In the episode, I just want to forewarn you, (laughs) the dogs are currently sleeping, fortunately, um, but I just love them so much. I wanted them around me, um, and I normally don't record podcast episodes with them in the same room as I am in, but alas, here we are, and so I just wanted to preface that um, for you if you're like, what is going on? (laughs) So we're going to dig right in. So I'm going to share the first mistake. And the first one is they let their uh, energy get eaten up by back-end activities instead of focusing on their zone of genius. So I'm going to say that one more time. Advisors, they, they, the biggest mistakes that I see, one of the biggest ones, is that they let their energy or their time get eaten up by back-end activities instead of focusing on their zone of genius. And their zone of genius, as I'm going to go into, is revenue generating activities. So I'm starting really strong in this episode by going over this incredibly prevalent. And if you do nothing else but shift or fix this potential mistake that you might be making, you will start to make more money in your business, period, end of story. So... Again, this applies to not just financial advisors, but really any service-based entrepreneur, contractor, and even if you're in a W-2 role, this is going to apply to you as well. So something that I share with uh, any advisor that I'm working with, and this is something that I've really internalized over the years, is the question is, what is my number one job as the owner of a business? So my perspective is that the number one job, if you run a business, is to generate revenue. If you're the visionary, if you're the CEO, if you are the head of the business, the job of the business is to generate revenue. If you're not generating revenue, then you're just not a business, right? Then you can become a nonprofit, or just do this for fun, or do it as a side hobby. But if you want to actually be an entrepreneur and run a business, oh, and there goes one of them barking, um if you want to be an entrepreneur and actually run a business, the thing that you that that we need to really understand is that your job, number 1 job is to generate revenue. And so, instead of generating revenue, what I see a lot of advisors do, and this is where they get tripped up, is they end up focusing on back-end activities. So back-end activities will look different for uh, different entrepreneurs but we're talking about underwriting, we're talking about applications, we're talking about answering emails, this could be calendar management, this could be running the plans or doing um, any planning type work, this could be compliance related work, all those other activities that are back-end. And a really simple distinction for this is back-end, you can think of as things that do not generate revenue. So what generates revenue? if you're an advisor, right? Dialing, reaching out to people to book meetings. Prospecting, asking people for referrals. Prospecting activities or lead generating activities, going on LinkedIn, creating feeds lists, having um, a dedicated prospecting meeting, networking events, speaking events, nesting at companies. There's a ton of different revenue generating activities. And then also having approaches or fact finders. So the beginning stages or or discovery conversations if you are let's say you're a wedding planner, right? What would be a revenue generating activity for a wedding planner, right? Having a discovery conversation, posting on social media. Anything that would create revenue by bringing in people into your business or into your world is revenue generating. And so what I see with a lot of advisors out there and this really keeps a lot of people stuck is that they focus on the back end activities because quite frankly, the back end activities are typically a little bit less stressful, or at least they require less uncomfortability. And what I mean by that is if you are doing a back end activity, right? So let's say for example, you have a client who emails you and is like, hey, I want to um, change my beneficiary from X to X, right? So let's just say that as an example. Or that a client emails in, hey, can you remind me um, how much I have in this account, right? Let's just say they're they're uh, asking you a service-based request. And if you focus on, so you drop everything, you check your email, you're like, oh, let me get this done. And then you figure out the answer and you're like, wow, I did a great job. I got back to them quickly. I provided a great customer service. All of that is true, but that stuff is quote unquote easier in my mind to do because it re- requires less courage. It requires less um, you stepping into your power because it's stuff that you do behind the computer, You get to kind of like quote unquote hide behind the computer, and not take action that is going to either make you uncomfortable or help you grow by helping you generate revenue. And so I get it, I 100% get it. If you are a one person show, or if you have a full team, you probably have a lot on your plate. There's like a lot of things that go into being an entrepreneur. I I think that entrepreneurship is the fastest route to growing and learning about yourself and also to challenge you in so many ways. And so I know that there's a lot going on. I know that there are things that that we need to focus on to keep our business running. There are client requests. There are things that are required and I'm not at all asking you to just ignore those. What I am saying though is that during the prime hours of our day, When I am most productive. So I'm recording this podcast episode at 10 a.m. So I woke up this morning probably at like 6, 6.30. I took my dogs for a walk. I got my Starbucks. Um, I actually ordered Uber Eats for Starbucks again (laughs) because I wanted more (laughs) and I didn't want to leave the house. Um, And then I actually wrote three podcast episodes this morning between 8 and 10 and now I'm recording them. Now, I have a ton of emails in my inbox. I have a full staff of people that do things for me. Um, I have a launch coming up on September 12th. I have a lot of things that I can focus on on the back end. I have email sequences. I have lead magnets. I have tags to put on customers. I have a lot of stuff that I could be doing. But one of the skill sets that I've developed that has served me so, so well in my business, in my financial planning business, in my coaching business, in my real estate business, has been the ability to identify what's most important, what's revenue generating and focusing on that. So creating this podcast episode is interesting because in the, in the immediate term, this podcast episode doesn't... I don't finish this podcast episode and then all of a sudden make a bunch of money. That's not how podcasts work but this does build my brand it gives goodwill it provides value it builds no like and trust factors. so you get to listen to me explain different topics and through it I can nurture my audience so I think of my podcast as a way for new people to get to know me and see that what I'm talking about is legit and then also for my existing students to go deeper because we talk about things on this podcast that aren't necessarily in my programs and vice versa And so the the podcast is, in my mind, a huge revenue-generating activity. It's just not a direct revenue-generating activity. So it's difficult because I prioritize that over the urgent things or the things that feel urgent, which would be like emails or people calling. I've gotten Instagram DMs for people that want to work with me. Like All that feels very urgent, but I know how important the podcast is, so I prioritize that. And so my point that I want to make here and what I want you to walk away with is asking yourself the question, if I look at my day, I work four hours, six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, however many hours you work, what percentage of your day are you working on revenue generating activities? If you find yourself constantly running out of time at the end of the day, you're not prospecting, you didn't get to the dials, you weren't able to do the feeds lists. you didn't visualize your meetings and visualize referrals coming in, you you didn't nest at a company, you didn't send out the emails. If you didn't do those revenue generating activities but you finished the day and you had a lot of stuff that you did, I, I would really encourage you to think like, am I actually being productive or am I just doing stuff to be busy? So that's a huge, huge, huge mistake that I see advisors make. And again, last point that I'll make is that back-end activities can really be anything that's not revenue generating, even if it's something that you feel like helps your business move forward. It's If it's not generating revenue, we need to look at it from the lens of, is this something that needs to be done now? Is this something that I can delegate, something I can automate, something I can eliminate so I can refocus my uh, activities on revenue generating tasks and activities because that's where revenue comes because I'm the business owner. I'm the one moving things forward. Okay. That's number one. The second mistake that I see advisors make is that they rely entirely on a one-to-one outbound marketing strategy versus a one-to-many or an inbound marketing strategy. So I'm going to explain all of this. So if you're like, wait a minute, I didn't quite catch that. Don't worry. First, let me repeat myself and then I'll explain. So the second mistake I see is that advisors rely entirely on a one-to-one outbound marketing strategy versus a one-to-many or an inbound marketing strategy. So first, let me explain the difference between outbound and inbound. Now, the names will suggest, they're, they're relatively, you know, suggestive. An outbound marketing strategy or an outbound strategy is when you are reaching out to people. So you are taking your time and reaching out to other people. This could be cold emailing. This could be cold calling. This could be messaging people on LinkedIn. This can be dialing, right? This could be going to networking events. When you are taking your time and trying to talk to one other person, that is an outbound marketing strategy. Inbound, as you can imagine, is when people come into you. So I like to think about inbound as farming, right? So I I use the term inbound and farming synonymously because the idea of farming, to use a metaphor, when you think about farming, you have your seeds and you have your soil. You plant the seeds, right? You plant lots of different seeds. Then you water water the the seeds. You, You sow the soil. You till the crops. You do all the things that you're supposed to do when you own land, and you're a farmer, which I am not. Um, And so at the end, when the crops grow, you then harvest the crops, right? You have like all these crops, and you harvest them with one action. And that's different than like, an outbound strategy, which I would look more as like hunting, right? So like I have my bow and arrow. I'm Katniss freaking Everdeen. I'm going out into the woods and I found like a goose or a deer and I shoot the one goose deer, whatever. And I have food for the night versus farming. I'm planting lots of seeds and I might not have food right that moment, but later on down the road, I have a lot of food, a lot, a lot, a lot of food and a lot easier. The food is just there, right? I just do one harvest and boom, all the food is there. So the outbound strategy that most advisors employ is spending their time reaching out to one individual person. Again, this could be LinkedIn, this could be emailing, this could be texting, this could be calling, anything where you are taking your time and you're sending one message and you're reaching out to one person at a time. Now, I want to note that there is a benefit to having an outbound one-to-one strategy. And the benefit is that you have control. So it can be predictable with data. So for example, let's say you want to book two meetings a day. You're like, in my, in my world, if I were to book two new people per day, my business would flourish, right? And let's say that you look at your data and when you call well, 50 people, you book one meeting on average some days maybe you book 2, some days you book 0, but on average when you call 50 people you book 1 person. Well, if that's the case, you can decide and set up a strategy where you're going to commit to calling what 100 people a day every day that you want to book two people. So if you want to book two people every single day, then you would just call 100 people every day. Simple as that, right? Now That is great. So that's the the benefit. But the challenge with that approach, and this is where I see advisors getting tripped up. And again, this episode is going back to what are advisors doing? What are mistakes are they making that keep them working really hard, but not making a lot of money? And this is it. So the the problem with this outbound one-to-one approach is twofold. Number one, it's not scalable. The only way that you can scale this is to hire somebody. There's no other way of scaling like a one-to-one calling, right? You, you can't scale calling people. Um, there's no such thing as a group calling, right? You're not going to call like 20 people at a time. It doesn't, doesn't really work like that. So it's not scalable for your time, although you can hire somebody. So it is possible. So you can hire a phoner. You can hire somebody to do the calls for you. Um, that is one way of scaling. The second challenge and this is really the the heart of it and this is where I think a lot of advisors they don't really think about this but when you learn this you'll be like holy shit this makes so much sense when you call people it's like looking for a needle in a haystack so the people that you call, or again, email or text or whatever the, whatever the method of communication is, doesn't matter, LinkedIn, what you're essentially hoping for is the perfect storm. So everything has to align. The person has to be in the right state of mind. They have to be in the right place, like physically, right? They can't be like about to like go on a uh, I don't know a, a a roller coaster ride, and they pick up the phone. And they're like, "Hey, I can't talk. I'm on a roller coaster ride. I'm in the right place, and it has to be the right time." They have to feel the pain of wanting to meet with you, the advisor. And so they, there is a there is a perfect combination that needs to be met. And so if you catch somebody on an off day, right? They just, you know, somebody just cut them off in traffic. You catch them on a day when they're really busy, somebody that they know got hurt or is in the hospital. Like there's so many things, like let's just say that in a week, you call them today. And in a week from now, they actually just lost their job and they have a 401k rollover. Like the timing is so specific and this blew my mind. And I never really fully understood why we approached financial planning in this way. And then there's actually, I'm doing another podcast episode on this entirely, but this idea that we have to catch people at the perfect time, like we're just going to call them randomly when we feel like it. And they are just, and we're just going to hope that it's the right time for them. Like that seems really ineffective to me. Me. So the one to one outbound strategy is really ineffective, but there are benefits to it. So if you're brand new in your business and you have no other really avenues or skill sets, like definitely start there, right? Start by calling people one on one and building up that skill set, getting really good at getting people on the phone, getting really good at talking to them. That's a skill set that I developed that I was quite crappy at when I first started, but I'm really happy I I have that skill set now because. It allows me to be more eloquent when I call people. I'm not nervous. Like there's just a whole host of benefits, but I'm digressing a little bit. So the outbound one-to-one marketing strategy is antiquated and quite frankly, inefficient. So what do we do instead? Well, instead advisors that really see their businesses explode follow a one-to-many or an inbound marketing approach. So I'm going to explain both of these. So let's say one-to-many, right? So what does a one-to-many approach look like? Well, the way that one-to-many works is really through some type of automation technology or software. So a one-to-many approach would be something along the lines of uh, using LinkedIn, but setting up an automation service. So you're not in there messaging people one-to-one. That's you set it up once, it goes to many people email marketing campaigns, right? There are a whole host of email marketing campaigns that I send out that I teach advisors to send out to, again, you meet people where they are. So if you're emailing a thousand people, 500 people, even a hundred people, and you send an email every two weeks or every month with just some helpful information, you provide goodwill, you provide value, and then you ask them, hey, if now's the right time, let's have a conversation for financial planning. You're going to be in such a better position because number one, you don't have to send out a hundred emails every sing- every two weeks. You're just sending out one email. And number two, it's a lower stress way of getting people to respond back to you when they are ready. And so that's really a lot more efficient, and a lot more effective in my mind. And so those are one to many approaches right? So email marketing, using a LinkedIn automation software, Um, nesting at a company would be another example. So you nest at a company and do a speaking event. That's one time you get many people. When you nest at a company, you have, let's say you have the HR partners that really love you and want to refer you business to their employees. Boom, another one to many. So those are ways of scaling the outbound approach, right? So you're still doing outbound. You're still reaching out to people, but you're doing it in a way more efficient and way more effective way. And then an inbound or again, farming as I like to call it is where people are coming to you. And this is the holy fucking grail of the financial planning world, in my opinion, or honestly, I'm going to replace that and say, this is the holy grail of any entrepreneur's world, getting people that love you, that love your services, refer you business. So an inbound lead strategy would be your clients referring you business without you even asking them. Or even if you do ask them, let me take that back. Your clients referring you business because they understand the value that you provide. And so therefore, they are not just giving you a person's name. They are actually emailing somebody an introduction to you They are giving somebody your information and that person's calling you. But regardless, it's inbound. You are receiving it. You're not going out and getting it. Now, I I say this is the holy grail because when you crack this code and you start to get inbound, you have an inbound marketing strategy or an inbound lead strategy, you get to jump off the hamster wheel. In 2021, I implemented this strategy I only worked with inbound referrals and I did 315,000 of production, 490,000 of revenue that year, only working with inbound referrals. So I did no one-to-one um, outbound approaches. Uh, that that was not part of my strategy at all. And I did this because I wanted to test out my system, not because um, I I think that one-to-one outbound strategy is, is bad or wrong. I just wanted to test out my system. And so the holy grail, in my opinion, is getting really good at farming. And there are a number of steps to that that we're not going to get into in this podcast episode. But the idea here that I want to share with you is I want you to look at your marketing strategy, right? So marketing strategy is how are you getting leads? How are you getting referrals? How are you getting prospects? If, and how are you booking people on your calendar? If that is almost entirely outbound, where you are reaching out to other people, there is an opportunity here for you, or sorry, let me rephrase that. One-to-one outbound, there is an opportunity here for you to become more efficient and more effective. Sound good? Okay. We are now going to move on to number three. So the third mistake that I see advisors make that keep them working hard and making less money I took a sip of my Starbucks. It is fall time, by the way. Quick side note. And this Starbucks apple crisp macchiato with oat milk is the shit. So if you have not tried that, holy guacamole, go out there and try it. It will change your life. Number three, (laughs) getting into the third mistake that I see advisors make, and this one is similar to number two in the fact that it's marketing focused but it's around the specificity so the third biggest mistake that i see is that advisors think that casting a wider net will get them more clients when in fact it does the exact opposite so what do i mean by casting a wider net when i say cast a wider net I mean the advisors that are going out to their clients or out to the general public and saying things like, I work with anybody, or I work with doctors, nurses, business owners, electricians, plumbers. I work with, you know, people in school, like what? So many categories. This is like the people that have on their profiles on LinkedIn. I work with nurses, physicians, attorneys, and doctors. I think I said physicians and doctors, but you get the point. business owners, right? And I'm like, what in the world? Those could not be more different categories. And so there's this fallacy in the financial planning world. And this is true in the entire entrepreneurial world. And this, it's this idea that the more specific you become, the more you exclude people. It's the complete opposite. And I understand when advisors come in, right? So when when I came in as an advisor, I had no marketing background, zero zilch. I think I took one marketing class in college, but I was a finance and economics major. So I was data-driven, analytical. And so I'm thinking to myself, cool, the more people I get, the better off my business will be, right? So let me cast a really wide net, ask for everybody. I want friends, family. I want anybody that you could possibly refer me to. And my business will grow more effectively because I just need more meetings, Wrong. Absolutely wrong. So that is the hard way of doing things. So if you are casting a really wide net, meaning you're asking for lots of different categories, you are um, not being specific with who you work with, if that's you right now, then I want you to really listen closely and see if trying this on for size will add value. I know that it will, but I don't want to tell you to do it. I want you to try it for yourself. So here's the solution. The solution is the opposite. The riches are in the niches. When you solve a specific problem, you magnetize yourself to get leads and referrals. So I want to share a concept that is going to really drive this home. So first of all, When I talk about getting more specific, the idea of getting more specific is to magnetize people to you. So for example, when you think about something that you love, right? So think about a, um, like a car company, or if you think about like, um, Apple or even Google, or you think about like any of these like major companies and you think about like, what do I know them for? Right? If you think about Apple, you think about iPhone period, right? You just think of the iPhone. You don't think of Apple as the carrier of iPhones and groceries, and they also carry, you know, microwaves and Christmas trees and plants. It's like, no, they have a specific lane that they focus in on, and they have a specific person that they serve, right? They are not the cheapest option. They are the most luxurious option. So they serve a very specific clientele or demographic. Now, here's another example, and I use this example a lot. North Face. So when you look at North Face, so if you have ever looked at an ad for North Face, you will see people scaling mountains, right? They're wearing the really intense um, jackets. They're scaling mountains. They got the winter gear on. They're like looking like athletes, right? But then you look around and who wears North Face? Like mom's in Connecticut, right? Like you might be listening to this and thinking like, I'm wearing North Face right now, (laughs) And you're like, I'm certainly not scaling mountains at the moment. And so the idea that you market to one person, but only sell to that person is totally wrong. It's just a complete fallacy in the marketing world. The more specific you become, the more aspirational you become and you magnetize people to you. So I'm, now, I'm going to now share with you what happens when you become magnetizing. When you magnetize people to you, what Happens. So first and foremost, to magnetize people to you, you have to actually solve a problem, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I just wanted to preface that first, so you're like, what? What exactly are we talking about? But I'm talking about like I want you to visualize people coming to you and being like, "Ooh, I want to work with you. I cannot wait to talk to you. I can't wait to work with you." So this is what happens when you magnet when you become magnetizing. Number one, if you cold call or if you cold email, you massively increase the effectiveness of booking meetings because people are actually going to start saying yes more often. Number two, you get way more referrals from your clients because people are motivated to refer you business because you've, you've found and cracked the code as to what makes you irresistibly referable, what magnetizes people to refer you business. And number three, when you talk to new people, they are actually excited to chat with you and work with you versus feeling like you have to send 400 emails to book somebody and get them on the calendar. So if that sounds pretty good, so if you're like, yes, 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 I would love all three of those. This is how you become a magnet. It's It's such a simple answer, but it stumps so many people. The answer is so simple, but it, it really stumps people, right? There are a lot of advisors out there that just don't know how to become magnetizing. And so here's how you do it. You have a rich niche. You identify the person who is that ideal candidate that you want to be working with. You understand their pain points and you use the magic words that get them to be like, Ooh, yes, I want to meet with you, Scotty. I want to meet with you, Mark. I want to meet with you, Sally, right? The reason for this, and this is, this is going to get to the crux of what is being magnetizing. What, how do you become magnetizing and why does it work? It works because people take action to alleviate pain. When you become the solution to pain, people will take action. If you become the solution to somebody's pain, you will become magnetizing and people will want to start referring you business. Coworkers over lunch will be like, holy shit, you know, Scotty just helped me with my RSUs, my restricted stock units. He he educated me on them and that was so painful for me for a while to not understand how they work. It was so helpful. You got to talk to Scotty and they're going to talk to their coworkers about talking to you. When they're at family dinners with their family and friends and they are feeling less stress about finances, they're on track for financial freedom. They're able to take a couple months off of work, whatever it is that they want to do. And they're living their best life and they're feeling good. They're going to be talking you up. They're like, holy shit. When I talked to Scotty, he got me on track. I now have a half a million dollars in my investment account. I, c- I have freedom. I could stop working if I wanted to. And other people are going to be like, wait a minute. I want that. Who, how do I, how do I talk to Scotty? And you're going to start to get referrals. That is number three. So thinking that when I cast a wider net, I'll be able to get more clients. It's actually the opposite. The more specific you can get, the better. And the reason for that is because we want to be the solution to somebody's pain. And the reality is you cannot be the solution to everybody's pain. It just doesn't work like that right north face if you're selling north face they are not selling the same person who wants to go on a beach vacation it doesn't work like that people are not going to buy north face to go to a tropical island and that's good we want the people that are going to a tropical island to go to the store that sells bathing suits and sunblock and hats but if you're going to the mountains we want to go to north face to buy the high quality amazing, good-looking jackets and pants so that I am comfortable with my trip or on my trip. Cool. That's number three. And the last mistake that advisors make is they confuse being uncomfortable with being out of alignment. And so I'm going to explain this one. And when you get this, you're going to be like, holy crap, this is so good, Scotty. Because this took me a while to understand. But there is a difference between doing something that makes you uncomfortable because it's pushing you outside of your comfort zone versus doing something that violates a boundary or something that's out of alignment. So here's how this comes into play. And this is how I started to understand this. So, in my first couple of years as an advisor, we are taught to call your family, call your friends, get your list of 100, 200, 300 people that you know and call them. And inevitably, almost every single person that I that I talk to or that I know hesitates every advisor that is hesitates with calling people that have more money, right? they're like, let me just call my broke cousin first and see if they want a meeting. Because if they say no, it's not gonna hurt so bad, right? Like if they're like, no, I don't really want your help. You're like, "Eh, whatever, like I couldn't really help you anyway. You don't really need help or whatever. You're an idiot or whatever the story is, right? And so a lot of times advisors will confuse the difference between being uncomfortable, which is doing something that you know will lead to more success, more growth, more impact, with doing something that violates a boundary. And violating a boundary would be something like, let's say you think about going to a networking event, you know it will be effective, but you have like mega social anxiety that will cripple you and make you so uncomfortable that you'll be vomiting in the bathroom the entire time. Now, in that scenario, if it were me, I would say, I understand the benefits, It does make me uncomfortable, but I would be violating a boundary because doing an event like that is out of alignment. And I know that because I know myself. And so the out of alignment conversation, a lot of times people nowadays, advisors included, they have this strong desire to just never be uncomfortable. Like they don't want to be uncomfortable with their situation. They don't want to be uncomfortable calling people and the reality is that we as humans need to become more comfortable being uncomfortable because on the other side of your discomfort is growth is expansion is money is impact right doing things that make you uncomfortable but you know will help you grow is the pathway to success so that's number 4 is that advisors confuse the difference between being uncomfortable and being out of alignment or crossing a boundary. And again, just to make it very clear, you decide what that is. I don't decide for you, I decide for myself, but you decide and you look inward and you ask yourself, am I saying no to this because I'm uncomfortable or because it's a boundary that I don't want to cross? So there you have it. Those are the four mistakes that I see Number one, advisors let their energy get eaten up by back-end activities instead of focusing on revenue-generating activities. Number two, they rely entirely on a one-to-one outbound marketing strategy. Number three, they think that casting a wider net will get them more clients. And number four, they confuse being uncomfortable with being out of alignment. Now, you know me, I love to over-deliver. I have one bonus mistake that I see. And this bonus mistake, I'm actually going to go into in detail in the next podcast episode, episode 76, which is going to be named Master Your Business Through Sales Versus Marketing. And so the fifth mistake, and this is a big mistake that I see that I'll be diving. It's such a big mistake that I'm actually dedicating an entire podcast episode to it, is that advisors don't realize the difference between sales and marketing. When I started and when I watch advisors start their career, our firms teach us how to sell. This is the product, product knowledge. This is how you run a plan. This is how you do an investment account. This is how you communicate to clients. It's all around selling and I think the financial planning firms, some of them are a little bit more advanced than others. Some of them a little bit more progressive than others. This is just a general statement. But generally speaking, what I've seen is that most financial planning companies, they are not setting you up to be a business owner. They are setting you up to be a salesperson. They want you to get good at selling. They want you to do one-to-one outbound marketing marketing campaigns, right? Call people, message them on LinkedIn, go to your warm network because their priority is having you sell more. Their priority is not having you become a business owner or step into your business owner status. And this is a huge, huge, huge reason why so many advisors either stay stuck. They don't make more income or they don't have the business that they truly love. And they just end up burning themselves out. Because there is a huge distinction between selling, which is the act of persuasion or having somebody take action versus marketing, which is the act of generating leads. If you get really good at selling, but you are not great at marketing, your business is going to really be at a standstill. If you get really good at marketing, I guarantee you, you will also get good at selling. So the key here is instead of getting really, really good at sales, which obviously has a place, super important, I fully support that, get really, really good at marketing. Build marketing systems, create prospecting systems, build lead generation systems. When you have that down pat and you get really good at marketing, everything else becomes insanely easy. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this was helpful and I hope you're looking forward to the next episode. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Scottie, uh sorry, at Scotty Taylor Jr. Or you can hit me up on my financial advisor specific Instagram at the Financial Advisor Academy. I love you. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and I'll see you soon, my friends.